1: Welcome to episode 21 of the Rust Belt Rundown. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Nate Stansberry, newly hired director of recruiting at Rust Belt Recruiting. Nate, welcome to Rust Belt and welcome to the podcast, man.
2: Thank you, Paul. Great to uh, great to be here.
1: Congrats on your new role. Um, we're going to get into that later. But uh, let's talk about you to start. Obviously, word on the street is that you consider yourself an expert fisherman. Um, and, I, have, yeah. I have never caught a fish. Uh,
2: Thank God. It, you know, all that really would do is make you borderline employable. And then, probably in any uh, relationship you have, uh, my wife is a saint. But uh, yeah, right. It's hard to hold down a relationship and, and still uh, fish at a level. But I've been a charter boat captain for like 15 years. It's it's crazy. Wow. Yeah.
0: Can you, I mean, what, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I feel like, it, it, does this only happen in Florida? Like, can you do you know, no,
2: this? No, hey, um, I, um, I fished the Great Lakes. So I'm, wow. you know, from the Rust Belt and uh, have spent a lot of time. On um, beautiful uh, scenic Lake Erie, uh, but I also spent some time on the east coast and west coast uh, doing saltwater trips and, and and all that. Um, so what is the best
1: trip? What is the best trip to take? The
2: best trip?
1: I mean, if you if I was only going to do this one time, where should I
2: go? All right, you need to go to Montauk straight up oh, because man. like that's the most civilized trip I think. It like really has like, the great biodiversity that you want, but. Uh, The infrastructure, it's like perfect, is absolutely perfect. It's like no early mornings or late nights. Frankly, you could go like middle of the day, fish are busting everywhere. It's beautiful out. Like you're close to New York. If you wanted to go into the city, it's it's an amazing place. So Montauk would be, if you were going to go anywhere and go fishing, that would be the place to go.
1: How did you get involved in this? How did you become a captain?
2: I, it's I was on a boat when I was eight days old Uh, my babysitter was a World War II veteran um, a a surgeon actually and he would watch me on Tuesdays and he we'd we'd go musky fishing together and so and he had a lake house so he was one of my babysitters I had a few right but like between my dad um, you know who was an avid outdoorsman uh, my great uncle who is like, you know, the World War II surgeon vet guy, and then um, a few friends and family. I mean, we're always fishing, hunting, doing different things. It's kind of crazy, but fishing for me, uh, that was it, man. I, I, I love it.
1: And you're taking a trip to the Amazon this winter, correct? Uh, Seth, yeah. Tell us about how this came about.
2: Not, yeah. not, not
1: too many people just go to the Amazon.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you what, so it was supposed to be like a midlife crisis. Uh, I turned 40 uh, this year, and I'm actually going with uh, a friend of mine who was my boss years ago, a titan in the fishing industry. I helped him launch his e-commerce site like over a decade ago. And he's like, look, man, you got to go. You got to come. And uh, it's five days on a houseboat. It's like two days on either side travel. Um, It's going to be crazy. We were supposed to go last year, but because of covid uh, you know, thankfully we postponed it. And, uh, but yeah, we're going in January, right? So I was
1: gonna, yeah, I mean, although COVID, like I feel like going to the Amazon, that'd be like the pretty good spot to be to avoid uh, an infectious disease. But so did you say two days of travel on each way? Talk to me, what does this travel look like?
2: You gotta, you gotta fly, you gotta fly to Brazil and then you take a a jet and then you take, I believe a float plane. And then you get to your houseboat. Wow yeah but that's like that's that's normal stuff i mean you're if not, you wanna you're not
1: taking them, too many bags with you i'll tell you that
2: no no i mean you know when you think about it you probably get one backpack but i've been doing trips like that like when i turned 18 i went with my dad and we did uh the arctic we actually hunted caribou and he took me out of high school for two weeks so yeah it's pretty crazy it's some weird people that's
0: amazing <laughs> yeah. um all right so we'll switch gears out of the amazon uh sure. Tell us about your last company, University Tees. Um, Tell me what they do, uh, you know, when you started working with them, kind of their whole story.
2: Sure. Um, So, University Tees uh, is a great company, right? And I've been there for almost 11 years. And uh, basically, what they do, they make custom apparel for on-campus groups and organizations. And so, their business model uh, essentially has students uh, acting as representatives on campus in sale in a sales capacity, right? And when I started, um, it was a smaller company, and uh, still has the smart or still has the heart of, of a smaller company. Um, but we were able to grow the company to. I mean, we, we kind of looked at the numbers recently, and we're look, we're talking like ten x growth and. It was amazing to be a part of it. And uh, uh, you know, I'm still a huge fan of the brand, still a huge fan of, of everyone there. Um, it was uh, you know, a little bit bittersweet leaving, more than just a little, but um, it, you know, a big part of my role there was finding students on these campuses, putting the programs in place to um, you know, vet about 5,000 students a year And then as our team grows, we were multifaceted in the fact that we've got this huge rep program, but we also do in-house production. And so we had a pseudo manufacturing company, along with our sales and marketing uh, efforts and our creative teams. And we had about 200 full-time team members, um, about 700 sales contractors, and then another 30 or 40 creative contractors. And so that's where we ended it. you know, a great place to work, a lot of challenges, uh, that, that were really the, the highlight of, you know, my tenure there. So, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, not, not too many people stay at a place 10 years, uh, especially, you know, in this day and age, which is almost like a, a feat in itself, right? Right.
2: Um, my time was, was kind of coming at an end with them. Um, you know, a lot of, the next chapter of, of university Tees really was, um, you know, not not in my skill set, which is rapid growth, recruitment, um, talent acquisition at, at a very fast pace. Right? Um, we were well positioned, really, in two thousand nineteen. <laughs> right, like January two thousand nineteen. Uh, I, I was planning on exiting within six months, and, and so the pandemic actually breathed a lot of life. Uh, back into my role uh, as, you know, a lot of the country, if not the world was dealing with the whiplash of, you know, not being certain uh, of what the market was going to hold for for you as a business, as you as a person, um, you know, having to shed a lot of team members. I mean, we were a production company, right? And, And so our stay at home order forced us essentially to lay off significant amounts of team members also, you know, we were we are subject to the collegiate market. Um, colleges were shutting down. We didn't know where we were going to be uh, in March 2019. Um, by May, PPP kicked in. A lot of those, you know, uh, thankfully, uh, and and a lot of things kind of fell our way, and we began the the process of rebuilding the organization. And and I believe, you know, we we hired over a hundred full timers back in new people uh, in that year, that 2020 year. Wow! Um, yeah, it, it was crazy. Right. And it, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was terrifying and a lot of, you know, some of my best work of my career. And, you know, I, I would never say, wow, what an experience uh, and try to put a positive spin on it. But of course. That, that truly was, Um, you know, I was happy to be in the position I was in, uh, at the time. And, you know, I kind of found myself on the other side, you know, our fiscal year goes July to July and for the first time in a while, and, you know, this is probably an overshare, but, you know, things are looking up, right. Things are looking up. Uh, people are going back to campus. Um, you know, we've learned to deal with COVID as an employer, Uh, the, you know, we understand where, you know, what we need to do in order to ensure a safe workforce, uh, way, you know, we're way better prepared than we were. And so, you know, reenter this, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a timing thing with me. Um, and when you couple that with the mission of of Rust Belt, that has always been, that's always been something that, that I've taken heart. You got to understand both my grandparents. Okay. Uh, sets, you know, worked in the polymer industry, right? Like um, you're talking about towns in Akron, Ohio that were based on factory jobs. Um, the bi- the best part of my experience at UT's and, and this prize is gonna come as a surprise. It was having meaningful employment for the people of Lakewood, myself included. You know, I owned a home in Lakewood. I walked to work every day. And when you look in these little pockets, when you look in these little areas, you see these these towns and these places, and you, you can just look at the houses, and you understand like what an impact you can make, and um, you know that that's that's what got me involved. You know, looking at Rust Belt and considering uh, what's next, it, it's always been a passion of mine.
1: Yeah, and and, and um, it's a good transition because that was essentially the next question of like how did you I mean how did you meet Taylor like how did this all come about. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm a fan, right? Like, first of all, I'm a fan. And um, I'm in the space. I'm a, I'm a talent acquisition nerd. It's fishing for people, okay?
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> why you love fishing.
2: This is... It. It.
0: Honestly, the, the
1: podcast can end right there, man. The it's podcast for should end.
2: That's it. <laughs> this person is unemployable for sure. No, uh, you know, it's... You, you think about, um, you know, with, with Taylor and, and Rust Belt and Jenna... And Jimmy and, and the entire team, right? You start thinking about it's always about the people. It's always about the people. Um, I uh, I'm honored to to take on the challenge. It, it won't be an easy one. We understand what's in front of us. Um, we're looking at a labor market that has suffered and HR teams that aren't really well positioned to do much about it. And, and I think that's one of the conversations that people aren't really having about this. You know. When you, when you shed your workforce, okay? And you essentially rehire them and you work in a pandemic and half the world's working remote and all of these externalities kind of come at a head, of course, there's a, a labor crisis. Um, there's no process, right? Like it, it's a fragmented process. Um, your leaders probably are, are just trying to get through their day-to-day to, and, and they're dealing with these things. Um, you know that if there's ever a time to have an agency partner that is going to help you get through this uh now is the time and, and that well that was another motivating factor and so when i when i saw the mission uh, of rust belt and you know everything that that we are going to do over the next you know chapter in my career i couldn't be in a better spot and i couldn't be more excited
1: you alluded to some of the workforce changes right and, yeah. and what people had to deal with um over the past 18 months at this point you know a lot of people always like to throw out the little tidbits of oh, we can't get people back to work and the extra benefit blah 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 what yeah. yeah i mean that's that to me is just one of the most like short that's like basically picking one to five percent of the problem and then just just piling everything else to, oh no, that's the only reason people aren't working. It's like, man, you're missing the whole point. But anyway, what is your, I mean, what has changed the most? What what are we going to see in the future? Because people's relationship with work fundamentally has changed. Like, I think we have, forget in the beginning, everyone was like, oh wow, this is great. Like, we've really um, progressed in terms of being okay with work from home, because you had to. That was like a decent positive. But- I also think people were just fed up. Like, I'm not going back to this job. I can find another one or I'm not, you know. So what, what, what's your take on that?
2: Here's the whole thing, right? Like, you got to play as a company. You got to play the hand you're dealt. And what I mean by that, when you saw Amazon and Walmart, right? Arguably, I think they are, they are the largest employers in the U.S. They telegraphed their moves three, four months ago. They told you everything they were going to do. They were going to raise wages. They were going to allow for certain benefits to come in. Uh, You know, you saw it all happening. And so they made those changes because they, they are such a large entity that they can't move fast. If you're a small company, all right, if you're a small business right now, small manufacturing company, play to your strengths. If you can offer extra benefits, offer them. If you, can, if you can allow people more time off or some flexibility in their schedule, it's not gonna cost you money, okay? You need to start thinking more progressively. You need to start thinking about your business. Like, how am I going to beat Amazon? You need to wake up every single day because Amazon is doing that to you. They're waking up every day thinking, and their only card they're gonna be able to play, the only card is money they are going to only play the money card so you need to have upward mobility programs you need to make an impact in your community you need to get creative in your sourcing right and and so what does that mean if you can offer career advancement training you need to do that if you can off if you can compete on wages you'll eventually lose to amazon but you probably need to revisit your wages okay that's just a reality too Um, and then if you can offer some intangibles, if you can be flexible with schedules or, or just with people, treat people like people, right? Like they're not going to be able to treat people that, that the same way, a small shop can. So do that. I hate it when I hear a business leader say, oh, I read this book by this person who has unrelated to your business. Listen to me, if if, if you wanna run your, your business like Bill Gates ran like Microsoft or you know whatever, fine. Like be, be my guest, all right? You're not Microsoft and you're not Bill Gates. So you need to run your business, all right? And specifically your people, right? The people side of the business in an arena that you are gonna win. You gotta play where you're gonna win. And so many small businesses have that ability because they're mom and pop shops and they're, they're, they're well positioned to be more agile and offer these types of benefits.
0: Okay, I got a tough question for you. All right. uh, so over the past 25, 30 years, you look at any graph, right? Everything has yeah. gotten more expensive, not a profound statement. Yeah. Um, in the last three months, we have finally seen wages increase. Why did it take 25 to 30 years for that to even remotely inch up towards what it should be. Like as things get more expensive, people should get paid more. I mean, this is basic economics one-on-one that any, every single one of us is probably taken if we went to school, but there's also a narrative around, you can't do that, you can't do that. Businesses will go bankrupt and all these things. And so why do you think this has taken so long and that now kind of sort of we're okay with it. You know, that's, I'm, I'm no economist.
2: Loaded question, I know. Right, like, I'm no economist, right? I, I, I like, you know, spend some time on, on Bloomberg occasionally, right? Shout out to Bloomberg. But for the most part, like, I mean, wages have remained flat because the workforce has accepted it, mm-hmm. all right? And I, and I hate to put that back on the workforce because that seems unfair. But the truth of the matter is, you know... <sighs> Businesses, their organizations, right? They're their organisms. They are going to try their best to drive net income results. Okay. The most expensive thing you've got are your people. Okay. So of course you're going to try to keep wages flat. Why we have accepted this, um, you know, that's a that's a that's a question for people who are probably a lot smarter than I am at this. I, I would say on a personal level though, um, you shouldn't accept it. You should move on. You should look for a better job, right? Um, you know, I think that it, it's an awakening for people. Um, you know, get out there, find something that that is better suited for you. That's going to pay more. That's going to appreciate you, right? Um, as if if you're you know sitting there wondering why you know you're not making the money you want, today's the day to change that. Yep,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, I got a technical question for you. Yeah, anything. So over the past few years, and and honestly, you would probably know when it actually started to come about, but maybe five, 10 years ago, companies started to ship to use AI to review resumes. Uh, Right. In your opinion, has this helped or hurt the applicants and the employer as well? Because I I have to imagine at some point somewhere, the employer missed out because they used this and they didn't see a gem, a diamond in the rough and then vice versa, right? So what what do you think about the
2: technology? Well, first of all, you know, the robots are coming for us all, right? Like we gotta just accept that. Like the robots are coming for everybody's job. I'm sorry, it's true though. Um, Look, AI can help specifically with like diversity inclusion efforts, right? Um, Challenges that are gonna arise from scaling uh, within the vetting process, right? If you're a growing organization and you have a small talent acquisition team, and you have robust needs, and you need to get through, you know, a, a lot of, of internal wrecks, um, it can be a helpful tool. And, and my advice is this, if there are machine learning or AI options available to you with a current vendor, right? Like, so within your network, whether it's like uh, job boards or, or whatever, try out some of the features, right? See out, see if it, increases your efficiency. Um, Because that's really what it's about. And and when we start thinking about efficiency, the scary part about efficiency is (sighs) you're going to miss out on some great people, right? And AI is only going to give you results that that you tell it to look for, right? And so there is some bias still in there. and people, thankfully for, for recruiters, they're complicated. And like you said, like the AI won't be looking for that diamond in the rough. Now, will someone want to pay an agency fee for a diamond in the rough? No. Uh, but we're talking more broadly about talent acquisition, right? So as we enter this market, right, where you may have to make concessions, okay, on candidates, you may meet, they may be not your ideal exact employee, you know, profile, right? If you're gonna have to make concessions in order to, you know, train them or or get them up to speed on on whatever, your AI process will fail you, right? It just flat out. You're not gonna see, you know, the things that, you know, I guess a person would see. But I also don't know that you should pay agency fees for things you don't want, right? Like, but like, you know, for what it's worth, if I were in-house recruiting, uh, part of a TA team internal, I would be leery of, of using AI unless I was getting the results within technologies I was using. I wouldn't go out to adopt it tomorrow. Got it.
0: Okay. Um, okay, so talk about in recruiting, what are some intangibles that you look for when making a hire that may not just be on a resume, right?
2: So, you know, when you think of it's... You know, as a recruiter, right, the things I always look for, are, you know, uh, honesty, obviously, follow up, um, you know, I, I, I want someone who's going to just be straight, I'm going to be straight up with people, right, I'm just going to tell them, hey, here's the deal, I, I, you know, I have a big motor, I love being on the phones, that, that's that's just me, and that's what I chose to do for a living, right, when I talk to somebody, though, no matter what the role is, you um, I look for them to be engaged in the conversation. Uh, I look for us to get, get to the hot buttons quickly. You know, what, why are you looking, right? What's motivating your search? What, what are your parameters, right? Like, what are your nice to haves? What are your need to haves? And, and those things can include commute, uh, scope of work, uh, obviously compensation, right? Like, and, and we need to address those things on our first talk. And so what, you, what you're what you often gonna hear is like people say, oh, maybe don't bring up this or maybe don't bring up that. Personally, I wanna know whether or not this is the right fit for you and vice versa, every time. That's all I'm looking for, right? And I'm gonna treat you fairly. And yeses and nos are the exact same thing with me. They are worth the same, a no, and a yes are worth the exact same. And so as a candidate looking out there, uh, if you're worried about, you know, if, if you're dealing with whether it's internal or external talent acquisition teams, if they're not going through and getting just going through and answering all of your questions, right? Like, what would it take? You know, what's it going to take for you to make a move type questions? They're not, um, I'm not saying they're wasting your time. But of course, it's going to leave room for there to be some, you know, I don't know, just some really awkward com. you know, conversations later, right? And that's, that's what we're trying to avoid. Because just because you're not right for this job, right, today or, or whatever, or you're not ready to leave, doesn't mean you won't be ready for a move later. And that's the way I always treat it.
1: Yeah, I think
0: it really it comes down to expectation setting, right? Just, yeah. just if you can, from the get-go, have a conversation and a relationship that starts with honesty and transparency. It's like, then what can go wrong? If it's not a fit, it's not Stop a it. fit. It's Why not a fit. Right? Would- why would we waste each other's time right so what um, okay last one before our yeah. last one before our last one um 2028 2029 2030 rolls around what is the number one skill you're hiring for
2: ooh okay
0: not not so, necessarily like coding or like a tangible skill like what are you hiring for <laughs> uh,
2: i'm i'm hiring for emotional intelligence i think that you're going to see um, you know a, a you will see there being a need for people who truly can connect with people who know exactly, you know, how, how to treat people, how to interact with people in person. And, and that is what I'm going to, that's what I'll probably be recruiting for relationship, true relationship, you know, driven individuals. Yep, yeah,
0: 100%. I love it um okay sometimes the hardest one sometimes the easiest one depends on the guest but uh let's hear some of your favorite dining options in the cleveland area take out sit down maybe a new oh. favorite whatever you got
2: yeah well shout out to east 55th marina right like for, for for my people out there uh if you're looking for a nice like waterfront dining option always a good one uh not the fanciest not supposed to be the fanciest, right? <laughs> um, you know, downtown really can't go wrong with much on on like East Fourth. Um, I love Willoughby. I go out, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, close on the it's East it's Side guys. So what you're gonna see, like, um, there's a lot. Like, you gotta figure there's like some gastro pubs, like, uh, you know, Soul in Willoughby's great. Um, you know, Hook and Hoof in Willoughby's great. I mean, there's some really cool options. Um, I'm trying to think there's a, there's a place, Ashtabula Harbor has a, like a sleeper of a place. Um, I believe it, it's Bremex meat market. You need to do Bramix. If you're right. in Northeast Ohio, you need to go to Bramix and, and check that out It's worth the drive. It is like out of control steaks.
1: Love it. Well, listen, <laughs> Nate, this was awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, obviously best of luck, uh, as you start starting to work with Taylor here soon. I'll save yeah,
2: for you. <laughs> hey, Paul, keep me in mind when you want to talk about like the robots taking over, right? You just give me a call. I'll be hiding out. Uh, actually I'm ready for them. You let me know. Okay.
1: I think the next time we get together, we'll record a, we'll record an episode in the office. We'll be in person, which would be great, but really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Paul. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.